Welcome to All Things Financial Management, an ASMC podcast sponsored by GuideHouse, where we discuss all things under the auspices of the Comptroller's Office and address top-of-mind issues in the financial management community. Good morning. My name is Tom Rhodes. I'm a partner with GuideHouse, where I work with clients across the DOD and other government agencies to transform and optimize their financial management functions. I'll be your host for today's podcast. For those of you who may be new to this podcast series, let me take just a moment to provide some background on the American Society of Military Comptrollers. The American Society of Military Comptrollers, or ASMC, is the nonprofit educational and professional organization for individuals, military, civilian, corporate, or retired, involved or interested in the field of defense financial management. ASMC promotes the education and training of its members and supports the development and advancement of the profession of defense financial management. The society provides membership, education and professional development, and certification programs to keep members and the overall financial management community abreast of current issues and encourages the exchange of information, techniques, and approaches. And with that, I'd like to introduce our government guest for today. Today we have with us Colonel Samuel B. Glover II. Colonel Glover currently serves as the Military Deputy for Resource Management Directorate, G8, at the Army Material Command at Redstone Arsenal. The AMC is the Army's leading command for global sustainment and logistics operations, executing an annual budget of $40 billion. Through 30 years of active duty and reserve service, Colonel Glover has served in a variety of tactical, operational, and strategic military assignments. Colonel Glover, thanks for being here with us today. We really appreciate your time. Well, on behalf of General Daly and all of our great teammates here at Army Material Command, we're really excited to have this great opportunity to tell you a little bit more about our outstanding sustainment, logistics, and support mission, but then, of course, also tell you a little bit more about the Army Material Command G8 team led by Ms. Christina Fries, of course, our great division chiefs, and all our team members providing resource and excellence. Thank you. Sir, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to your current position as the Military Deputy for Resource Management Director in the G8 at the Army Material Command? In other words, can you just share with us your story? It's uh, really, really exciting once again to be able to tell my story because uh, like so many others, my story is the American story. Now, I'm blessed to have two grandfathers that served in World War II, one Army, one Marine, Mufford Point Marine, both specialists. They would both get a chance to serve our country, both in the Army soldier, my grandfather, Mac, serving in Hawaii, my grandfather, Glover, serving Marine in the Guadalcanal. They would cross paths, and, and believe it or not, later on, their kids would marry each other. And the amazing piece about that, that each one of my both uncles on both sides would both serve the military, and I'd have the opportunity to serve as well, too, even with my father transitioning from Marines to Army National Guard. I will say that uh, through my great journey of joining enlisted combat engineer, going through basic training in AIT, and then uh, paying for school at the South Carolina State University to being a bulldog, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, be a finance major. And I said, hey, if I get given an opportunity, I'm going to go for aviation. I'd always looked at airplanes and other key things flying in the sky without shadow. You know, I had a great opportunity there to both apply, be selected to be an Army aviator, going to Fort Rucker, Alabama. And through that journey, it only began to see and do so many great things. So from a Bosnia to a Korea to a Iraq to an Afghanistan, 
I was just blessed with so many both deployment and stateside opportunities. One of the things that was really exciting to be a flight instructor pilot, be able to teach the next generation, allowing me to both invest in the craft and not just fly. I got a chance to later on do some acquisition and development up at ATEC. So with some of that allowed me to like say, let's invest into like a R2D2 sort of program that allowed us to have a suite of integrated systems on the aircraft that protected it from rockets and missiles. So that was pretty cool going from flying aircraft to teaching students to then later on getting a chance to provide product and development. One of the big things that Huntsville is sort of known for here. But I also point out very easily that having a chance to work with the MRAP vehicle, one of the things that really saved lives in Iraq working with Army G3 and later on, like I said, getting selected for the Congressional Fellowship Program, working for a member of Congress in the Senate, as well on the Senate Army Senate Liaison. And the Congressional Fellowship Program being a great program for anyone's just taking high school <laughs> government or even student council, but uh, that was pretty cool. And then later on being on both a Iraq and Afghan MIT teams, training Afghans and Iraqi soldiers about how to protect themselves as a nation and then also how to provide them the support they need. And then later on, being over the Congressional Fellowship Program, not the program itself, but actually being over the Saffin Bull Office that works with all the appropriators, that was really, really humbling. And that allowed me to see how a lot of our budgetary decisions are made. And somewhere along that point, I transitioned from being an Army aviator to being an Army finance officer and comptroller. So that's where I sort of diversified my portfolio and really got a chance to not just work with the small budgets, but very, very large budget, the entire defense budget, $750 billion, And then, of course, the overall larger budget over $2 trillion. So, you know, having that opportunity just allowed me to say, hey, I'm going to continue to serve, you know, from working there to joint special operations to working here at the Army Material Command, Space and Missile Defense Command. It's been an amazing journey. You dream it and great things come true. So I've been uh, blessed to be here over a year at the Army Material Command as the G8 MILDEP, the first one that they've had here active duty. So it's been an exciting opportunity. When you talk about being in charge of an active $40 billion budget and over $250 million in foreign military sales, so that's about $300 billion. And I can just tell you, as a small boy coming from South Carolina, small farm boy there, I barely had 5 or $10 in my pocket, much less to get a chance to work with over $300 billion. So that's what I want to talk about, living that American dream and uh, dreaming big. It's just been one of those things that it's been a humbling journey, but one I'm always excited about as well, too. And one thing that we've got to share with other folks that are interested in joining the military. Colonel Glover, thank you for sharing that. And what an awesome lineage of service. So really want to say thank you to you and your family for your service. That was really neat for you to share. Thank you. Thank you. Colonel, could you further elaborate on the AMC mission and some of the important things that you're doing today? I'm glad you could ask that question because this is probably one of the most exciting missions that I've got a chance to be a part of since I've been in the United States Army. You know, it's almost like when you watch one of those game shows and they say, what's behind door number three or what's behind door number four? The Army Material Command, each and every single day, it delivers, integrates, and synchronizes all of our different sustainment capabilities. And that's from the strategic support areas all the way down to the tactical points. And, and when I sort of bring that in layman's terms, that's all the way from our soldiers, our civilians' homes on each one of our 95-plus military installations. That's all the way to that tent or place further deployed, whether you're in Iraq or whether you're in the CENTCOM AR, whether you're in Korea or you're in Germany. That's all the way around the world. And that's the great connective tissue that our Army Material Command has. On top of that, 
you know, we talk about multi-domain operations. So one thing that we're doing just through the lens of whether you're talking about space, cyber, or whether you're talking about, of course, making sure that we have a capable and ready force. We have over 175,000 military, civilian, and contractors supporting our organic industrial base. And that's making sure that we have all of not just our weapon systems, our tanks, our Bradleys, and other key pieces maintained, but making sure they have all the latest components on them, everything they need to take care of our warfighters for both our active duty, National Guard, and reserve units, and many of our partner units as well, too. You know, whether you've got uh, ACC, which is taking care of all of our contracts, our transportation brigades, our field support brigades, our uh, logistics centers, work partnerships with uh, Defense Logistics Agency there. You know, it's one of those things that we create a sustainment team of teams, and that's supporting our forces worldwide And like I said before, a lot of great, exciting opportunities. You know, there's about 87% of our active duty workforce, Army active duty works within Forcecom. But like I said before, the term sometimes for Army Material Command is a million civilians, but we've got a million. (laughs) We may not have quite a million, but we've got a lot of active duty National Guard Reserve always actively engaged, providing great sustainment operations to better serve our warfighter and protect our nation through the important piece of sustainment and logistics, whether it's right here stateside or forward deployed, making a difference. And let me just tell you, once again, it matters. Can you tell us a little bit about the importance of teamwork, communication, and execution in supporting the AMC mission? Well, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, so often you sort of deal with sports. You know, when you talk about financial management and you talk about uh, resourcing, folks could go to sleep on you. But when you talk about sports and you bring that analogy into financial management, I don't care whether you're a combat leader or whether you're working in a hospital or whether you're working in the Army Material Command, you get excited about when you hear the term triple play. And that's one of those things in my triple play, teamwork, communication, and execution. And what's so important about that, I don't care what you do. I think McChrystal said it best. Each and every single day as leaders, we should be trying to build a team of teams. And with that, saying that we're going to have not just financial managers, not just accountants, not just folks that deal with all call for regular resource managers. We're also going to have folks decided I'm going to be a tanker. I'm going to be a helicopter pilot. I'm going to be a combat engineer. You know, at the end of the day, you're building that team of teams. And I know in resource management, that is so very pivotal. I thought about, uh, you know, this year when we talk about team of teams, really this concept has been we think about the current football game that's getting ready to take place. A little football game maybe called the Super Bowl. They're going to have the Philadelphia Eagles and they're also going to have the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, both great teams. But the reason why they're there is because of great teamwork. And you turn right around and you hear the term communication. I don't care whether you're talking about coaches, whether you're talking about offensive lines or defensive line, that communication, how they work together as a team is all done by great communication. And then at the end of the day, you can be a good team, you can have great communication, but can you execute? Last year, we were the Army sort of unit of the year in reference to resource management, and a lot of that had to do at the two-star and above level or three-star and above level because of our great ability to be both great teams, provide great communication and execute our year-end closeout process. We had uh, Mr. Jarrett Terry, who was really, really good as far as sort of leading that initiative, working with all our different uh, division chiefs and other managers across all our commands and executing that flawlessly and ending right on time. So 
that was just powerful. And a big part of this triple play that I always say is adding all three of those together. Whenever I use the term triple play, I just get folks excited about saying the word hua. So I'm going to try this one time because I know that we're going to have fans and other key folks and other individuals, financial managers listening out there. So can we get a triple play hua? Hua. All righty. Hua. All righty. Well, good stuff right there. And that's all about the great teamwork that's taking place between our resource financial management teams. So that's just one of the things that I'm excited about. And whenever I get a chance to share the greatness of the triple play, teamwork, communication, execution, always coming together. Yeah, thank you, sir. And thank you for sharing that. And speaking about teamwork, what do you think needs to be done to get more people to join the Army team? Well, I'm really glad you asked that question as well, too. And the great thing about that, we talked about these two much smaller teams, but we get a chance to be a part of a really, really big team. And that's America's number one team, the United States Army. You know, the Army right now has pretty much almost about 450 to 500 active duty and a somewhere blended about 200 to 250 apiece in our National Guard and our Reserve, making almost just shy of, of a million people there. But, you know, at the end of the day, you add all of the services together. There are 300 to 400 million people that's across America and only about 3 million serve and protect our nation. So that's about 1% right there. So we all have this great opportunity to invest in protecting our nation. We can always say it with someone else should do it, someone else's son or daughter. But, you know, we have the opportunity to make a difference. And uh, the great thing that I've seen here working with both active duty soldiers, being a National Guard soldier myself and being here at Army Material Command, we have a lot of great reservists as well. We also have a lot of amazing civilians and contractors that help us do our job. So the great thing about it is we just have so many different ways to join this Army family, make a difference for our nation while still doing your job or craft that you have there. Sometimes it'll be, you know, you work at your regular job and then sometimes working through a compartment capacity of National Guard or Reserve. And then sometimes you say, hey, I'm all in active duty. But regardless of that, you know, like I tell you before, from my grandfathers to my father, to uncles, the one great thing I've seen a family that has built a team of teams and we have that great opportunity. So I'm always so very excited about the men and women who have decided that they want to serve our great nation, the young men and women as well too, whether it's high school, college or whatever journey they are in life. But the great thing right now is we started to do some of our recruiting. You know, if you sign up right now, particularly enlisted, you're getting about $50,000 to join enlisted. And sometimes they have these quick signing bonuses anywhere between thirty dollars to $40,000. So you, know, you can almost get anywhere between fifty dollars to $90,000 to join our great team here, as well as a lot of times we talk about active duty positions. But like I said before, National Guard, each state has a reserve unit. And then you also have a reserve units like the Army that you can move all around. So that gets really exciting as well, too. Plus that pride of wearing the United States Army uniform, the great neutralizer. I don't care what situation you're in. People know when they see an Army uniform, our new uniform now, it's called Greens. They know that we're here to help to make a difference and protect our great nation. So we're excited about those opportunities. But we're also excited about there's something called Bayer right now that's taking place. And that's Be Everything You Are. And that's our big initiative to try to promote folks to join the United States Army through STEM opportunities. And of course, like I said before, that's going to be both Army activity with civilians along those lines. But then also we'll have great partnership with our defense industrial base. So different companies will be helping there. But we're really trying to get folks to join this Army team and just know it's always a hunt for good talent. And I'm always excited to get a chance to work with some of the amazing men and women 
active duty reserve or civilian or contractor through this piece of the journey. But there's so many opportunities to serve. And if you can think of it, we've got it. And like I said before, I was also blessed to get a chance to use that towards paying for my both undergrad degree, my master's degree, and even later on a doctorate degree. So just know that the options are limitless. I welcome you to join our team. Thank you, sir. And uh, I'm sure many people will take you up on that offer. In preparing for this podcast, I was reading the ASMC magazine and the article that you published, and I was intrigued by this concept of digital trust. What is digital trust, and how does it impact the workforce of financial managers? Well, I'm so glad you uh, you know, asked this question, because as we sort of go in, it's been a tough two or three years when you talk about transition from a global pandemic that really brought us working in buildings within our workforce to some type of telework hybrid. Also, while withdrawing out of Afghanistan and building up and supporting our efforts there within Ukraine. So when you sort of add those two big things together and how are leaders leading soldiers and civilians and then how are they adapting to the current environment? So with that, it's called, of course, understanding the trust of the future. You've got to understand you got big organizations like the Army, whether it's a, a Walmart or whether it's a Amazon. These are all big organizations. But when you think about the government, you think about, of course, protecting our nation. A lot of people think about the Army. Eighty percent of people have confidence that our Army is the best Army in the world and that we're there to protect you. And they, they have that trust and faith. But I would also say that uh, when you think about technology and adaptive, you don't think about the Army being it. So. Uh, that elephant that it is, is one of those things that's wise, it's trustful, but sometimes it's sort of slow. And how we use that to adapt, it's all about our people. So it's really about the Army, the people, and the digital highway. I talked about the Army being this sort of elephant and the people saying, hey, we trust the Army, but can we adapt to change? Can this be the learning, growing organization? And then can we this be an organization that we lean on when we think about preparing for the future? I can say that uh, to survive currently today, not just on the battlefields of Iraq, Afghanistan, or even how we deal with our supporting efforts in Europe and our Ukraine partners there, this digital highway of how it's been flattened, how we've had to come in and leverage both the internet has been pivotal. We've seen a lot of that even happen, of course, as we sort of see how folks have trusted and adapted to even use something as simple as Teams, as we'll talk about a little bit uh, later here, but you know, a big piece of that, the army, the people, the digital trust. And a, a big piece of this is really understanding that current environment. That current sort of environment includes, we had to deal with both COVID, we had to deal with, of course, the army, China, some of the Cold War stuff that we've been dealing with with Russia. We've been dealing with a mass migration just within our lifetime. In America, we've gone from about 150 million people to almost three to 400 million. With our world, we've gone from three to four billion people to almost seven to eight billion. We continue to rise. We've had uh, some social justice issues as well as uh, climate change and, of course, a supply chain all blended in as well with dealing with telework. And how do we take care of our families? How do we take care of our jobs? But more importantly, how do we take care of us so that we can be the best that we can be so we can take care of both our jobs, our families and our nation? What is trust in the digital age? You know, when we talk about trust in the digital age, uh, I need you to uh, almost close your eyes for a second. 
And think about this. Would you get in a car with a complete stranger? Or would you have someone fix your house that you had no idea who it was? Would you also stay in a complete stranger's house in another country that you'd never been to? And would you do it all based on the likes or dislikes of someone else? <laughs> well, I'm proud to say that that's happening right now today. And that's what we call digital trust. Uh, as I sort of begin navigating through some of the different scenarios there, if you just think about how big Uber and Lyft are right now, based on likes, that sort of all started probably with the lens of eBay or Amazon. You think about us buying stuff online from complete strangers, which all probably started a little bit from Facebook as well, too. But over time, you purchased things from either eBay or Amazon, allowed you to say, hey, likes, dislikes, customer reviews allow us to purchase and trust people in this digital age. We talked about jumping in a car with a complete stranger, Uber or Lyft. But we also talk about the importance of an Angie's List, someone coming to fix something at your house. And whether you use Angie's List or whether you use some other type of peer review out there on the digital internet, you know that that's built over time with trusted sources. Uh, I know when I purchase a pair of shoes, I'll look at, hey, how is this either liked or disliked? And that same thing happens when you think about Airbnb. I just actually stayed last weekend at Fort Rucker, Alabama, and we stayed in an Airbnb, had a whole house to myself for about 100 bucks versus just a hotel room. So over time, digital trust is being built. So whether you have something that you're seeing out there towards this era, you're also seeing folks leverage. Have you written a check lately? Probably not. <laughs> I probably have written a check, but you might not have, particularly with a lot of our young folks. They're even using Cash App or Venmo and other key sources out there to both share dollars. And I just tell you that like that same digital trust that was built, whether you're buying something online or whether you're having someone come to your house, it's the same type of digital trust that we have with the United States Army, that we have big companies sort of trying to train, lead, and take care of their folks here. So a big part of that, of course, is digital trust. And that's why when I talk about trusting the elephant, most people don't think about trusting the elephant navigating this way. But the one good thing about an elephant is, is making sure that it is slow and methodical. So we've built up good systems to make sure that uh, we can navigate the way I heard, whether it's through MS Teams or whether it's through Army 365. We're doing these things to make sure that we can both lead, direct, and take care of our army and manage. So just know that digital trust is being done each day by our leaders. So whether it's in-person counseling, whether it's counseling over MS Teams, whether it's an email dealing with counseling or providing direction, that's the digital trust that we build over time. And as we do different missions and operations, that same digital trust flattens the overall level of communication. Building trust can be hard. It can be a little squishy. It can take time. But at the same note, we can clearly see that in this era that we're in right now, telework has worked. Telework in some form or fashion is here to stay. So what will we do as leaders to both educate and inform and manage and lead our folks through this era? But then also, what will our people do to let them know, whether it's a weekly report or whether it's sending an email communication, whether it's calling on the telephone or meeting in person or leveraging teams? We both got to communicate to both build this digital trust and communication is just so very powerful as we navigate the way forward. Trust is possible, it can be hard, but the same way that we built over time, someone would look at a eBay, you may not be using eBay as much, but over time, you've seen how Amazon has continued to improve 
customer service, great relations. And the same thing with our United States Army. We're continuing to improve how we help leaders train, teach, and mentor, but then also lead our great nations best. And that's our number one asset, our people. And a great way to do that is building digital trust. A great way we do that is both in person and through our MS teams and other platforms. And the question is, what will the future look like? We can already see right now universities and other schools are using the metaverse. So how will we leverage the metaverse? How will we leverage Vantage? How will we leverage GCS Army and other tools as we sort of go forward with our different ERPs? But the great thing about it is we all have the great opportunity, like I talked about earlier, to build this legacy built upon digital trust, the five C's, and a great legacy. I really like in that article, you, you talk about the concept that trust is real and that it's, yep. you can really measure its value, that it's a real, either you have it or you don't, but it is real. And yes. um, in that article, you also talk about the five C's of leadership. And what are those five C's of leadership and how can that help financial managers be successful in any mission or task? Who are these five C's? Because these are the five C's, I think, no matter the situation, whether you're dealing with a pandemic or whether you're off going to war, or whether you're just taking care of a small project at your job or workplace. The five C's is built around both competence, of course, character, communication, connections, and compassion. As we sort of work through that, Army Field Manual number one is through the lens of talking about our nation's history, our Army's history. And that always starts with competence. Uh, when you talk about competence, you're talking about being the best that you can be as an individual. Someone says that a lot of experts have been out there that it takes 10,000 hours to be the best at whatever expert you can be. But with that, I just say the great thing we have about our Army, whether it's a basic training, whether it's an AIT, whether it's a captain's career course or one of our other civilian basic courses there, we're bringing you in to be an expert at your craft. Particularly, we're bringing you in to be an expert at financial management. So we want to make sure that we have the best trained, both Army soldiers and civilians, and contractors joining our team, supporting our efforts. But then also the importance of character. You know, it's one of the things as we uh, work our way through building those great teams, we know that you can build trust. And each day that you help a soldier, each day that you get a mission accomplished, trust is built. And the more trust that is established, the more I can trust you or you can trust me with certain missions and that flattens organizations and that allows us to execute even faster. And then as you deal with some of the pieces driving with communication, there's always this piece of communication. I try to say it bottom line up front with recommendation. What are we doing to help our leaders to provide both clear communication, solve problems, but then we provide an opportunities to have recommendations when we complain about there's an issue or problem, or we understand that we're flattening the communication so that uh, both sergeants and NCOs, as well as supervisors and teammates can sort of work better together. Then we have connections. That's one of those things where you have horizontal or vertical. You're gonna have people that's within your division. You have people that's within the accounting, FinOps, or the budget integration section, whatever way your organization is set up. And that's sort of that flat that horizontal, but when you talk about vertical, there's going to be purple that uh, you're working with generals, you're working with SES as senior leaders all the way to the Pentagon at your headquarters. But at the same note, we always reach up. We've got to reach down. So I've got to make sure that there's a PFC, there's a private, there's a specialist. There's also a GS3, 4, 5, 7, 5, 7, 9, 11 programs that we're trying to build up so that they can understand all the great opportunities that we have. And we leverage mentorship 
within our organizations. And the last one we like to highlight is compassion. You know, you can have the greatest drive in the world, but you've got to understand everyone may not be at your point of takeoff as we hear in Rocket City. So with that, having a certain level of compassion that knowing that we're not perfect, we're going to have our bad days, but through that, we can all help each other as a part of this one big team creating a big, what, triple play? Hoo-ah. All righty, triple play once again. <laughs> so, oh, on, there we go. <laughs> so with that triple play, we really have the great opportunity when we have compassion for each other and our teammates to accomplish any goal, knowing that we're not perfect, we may be at different places, but together we can try to work towards the bigger strategic goal uh, of getting our organization to move forward. But as always, from that standpoint, I leave no soldier or civilian behind. And the last thing that I always highlight with the five C's is a big L, believe it or not, and the L stands for legacy. With that legacy, what are you going to do, of course, if your son or daughter came back to the organization that you worked at, what would your colleagues, what would your friends say about your legacy? What would they say that you did to change the organization? For some, it's going to be working with Vantage and dealing spreadsheets to help out with a year-end closeout opportunity. With others, it's going to be creating a logo that allows our organization to have a recognition. Some, it's going to be helping us build force structure for what will Poland look like, you know, and then others, it's going to be, what can I do to help with an in-processing program, particularly during COVID, when a lot of the folks that you want to check on may or may not be in the building. I throw out some of these programs because, you know, whether it was an in-processing program, we had our Miss Heather Hamilton work on, whether it was a force structure program, we had Miss Carrie Chidris work on. Whether it was a Vantage program, we had Mr. Jared Terry or Mr. Aaron Okoro work on. You know, it's all of this technology that we have here are things that are going to set forth their legacy for their kids, their grandkids, nieces, nephews. And that's the great opportunity we all have every single day. when We think about what will our legacy be and what can we do to make the difference for future generations. Thank you, Colonel. That's great advice. And speaking of advice. We usually like to wrap up each episode with some advice from our early careers who are just listening and starting out their career. So knowing what you know now, what advice would you share with those just starting out? Well, you know, through my journey, and I can clearly say I've definitely seen a whole lot. But with that, it's sometimes a little simple. If you look at it like this right here, leveraging the game of sort of digital trust or looking towards a bright future. If you just think about football, Alabama, and the king of pop <laughs> with that, and you probably say, what does football, Alabama, and the king of pop have to do with preparing for the future? Well, I'll say this right here. When you think about this piece of it, it's another triple play. Who <laughs> Just think about this. When we think about football, of course, we think about a game played. And many times in life, we learn our best things working the small games in reference to how we have a mission, a vision, how others depend on of us, thinking about the next generation. But it's all about people. And those great teams, those great games that we played on, remind us the importance of you can learn a lot from a game. So that's why I throw out football there. When you think about Alabama, I'm in the great state of Alabama right now. So is Army Material Command. Alabama has this big term, the University of Alabama, that says, go big or go home. We're here for one reason, make no doubt, to fight and win the nation's wars. Teamwork makes the dream work, and we still want to build upon that great legacy. When you think about the amount of championships, Nick Saban and others there, as they start to navigate the way forward, they have this go big or go home philosophy there. I will say that we always want to look out for our battle buddy, 
but we always have to think big, have a big vision, have a big idea for what career you want to have, how you want to make a difference and what will be your legacy. And then that last thing, it says the man in the mirror, the king of pop, Michael Jackson there. And he wrote a great song called The Man in the Mirror. Uh, that's living the army values, living with character, like one of those big five C's, continuous process improvements and having standards, having excellence. When people talk about you, you want them to say, hey, he's very competent. He or she are very competent. They strive for excellence every day. And I know I can trust they're going to provide a quality product and they continually improve. And like our organizations, we want to continually be improving ourselves. So I, I say with all of those, it's just another great what? Triple play. Wow. All righty. That's what I'm talking about. So that's what I would really share. Just understand the importance. You can learn a lot from a game. Go big or go home. And the man or woman in the mirror. Thank you, Carl. That is awesome advice. And thanks for the triple plays. I'm going to work on my hua a little bit more. So I'll be better it's definitely next time. The case there. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I just want to end too. just the importance of, you know, General McConville came up with an awesome model. That's the Army model now, of course, and that is people first, winning matters, and Army strong. So every single day, we understand that we put the American people first in reference to protecting our great nation, but also taking care of our both soldiers and civilians as they take care of our mission as well, too, of protecting our great nation. Every single day, winning matters. There is no second place when it comes to war. We've all got to do our part to make a difference. Believe it or not, Financial management matters. There's a lot of good body parts that all make great things happen, but we're the lifeblood of our great organization. Sometimes we're the big brains, the surgeons. Financial management is now more important than ever. When you talk about the Army being over $170, $80 billion and the uh, defense budget being over $750 billion, resourcing management and understanding how to resource our great Army really matters. So winning matters, financial management matters. And the last thing, you got to understand that we are Army strong because of all of our great men and women that are standing behind us, making us truly America's team. Thank you, sir. And I know you're super busy. So thank you so much for your time today. Cool. Sounds like a plan. Have a blessed day. Thanks for all your support. Thank you for tuning in to All Things Financial Management, an ASMC podcast series sponsored by GuideHouse. You can find all our episodes on ASMC's Engage platform and at our website, guidehouse.com, all things financial management.